encroaching on soccer and, and European soccer with, with their devious acts of violence. They do that, man. I don't uh, understand why people uh, see such a beautiful game and want to commit violence. I mean, yeah. Other than my father, who just doesn't care for soccer. Well, that's true. But uh, Shakhtar Donetsk is actually going to have to move their games like 600 miles west because of what's going on in the Ukraine. I heard about that. That's uh, that's a scary situation, man. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... Again, that goes back to we sort of saw it when the U.S. played the Ukraine in the friendly before the World Cup, and they had to move it to Cyprus. And you're like, uh... This is, is like... This is what sucks is like, yeah, you know, soccer is is great, but man, you you start getting teams saying, we got to go 600 miles away from where we'd normally be playing because, you know, another plane could drop out of the sky. Like, it's just, it's really bad what's going on down there. Down there, over there, whatever. Down there, over there, wherever, hey there, hi there, hold there. Um... And of course, you know the six players. You heard about the six players who were not going to show up for Shakhtar. I did. I uh, actually and, have and the of list. They were they were staying true to the national form of not showing up. They were Brazilian, so. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was mean, but it was. True. Is is Fred the Fred or another Fred? I believe it's a different Fred. Okay. You know all those Freds. <laughs> all those Freds up there, you know. All those friends that they come to play on episode 12 of the All New Sports Show, the podcast. Um, we only get a guest every... Oh, and Sporting Kansas City almost equalized, if not for offside. Not to date this podcast that early on, but it is episode 12 of the All New Sports Show, the podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by my colleague, Wes Bradshaw. It's just the two of us tonight, Wes, and with a big, big... No game, but big news episode to go through. What are what are your thoughts uh, going into the past week since we last talked? Well, real quick, would you like to know what happened with Tottenham tonight? Since being the great Tottenham fan you were, you flipped it off at halftime, figuring a 2-0 lead was was enough? Well, I, I flipped it off when it was 2-1. And then I saw it became 2-2. After that, I have no idea. Andros Townsend in the 84th, 3-2 final. Oh, uh, England savior. Uh <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it, it has been a big week, you know. Not a lot, like you said, not a lot of games. Um, but man, just a lot of news. Transfer news has been big. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some big baseball news, of course. The Red Sox. Oh my God, they won a game, yes. and then Ed, they turn around and won another. And by God, they won another after that. They had what was called a winning streak, which was of course snapped last night and getting uh, tattooed tonight. But anyway, um, a big edition of So Raw coming up. It is summer slam season, and I know you're getting a little tingly in your nipples with that one, but uh, just try to compose yourself tonight. Uh, all my nerve endings have gone numb. I actually saw I saw you going crazy on the Twitter uh, <laughs> this, this past couple days with what's been going on Ooh. on Raw and the rest. So it's been really great to follow that. And, of course, if you want to follow us on any of our social media sites, uh, you can get us on Twitter at All New Sports Show, at Wes Bradshaw21, and at Edward Green. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash All New Sports Show. 
Uh, email us allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Get us on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash allnewsportshow. We also have uh, an official YouTube page where you can currently go check out our Season 3 promos, uh, which feature me screwing up horribly during interviews, uh, as well as uh, our Christmas in July special in full. In full, full episodes coming to the YouTube channel, and I believe that is youtube.com slash show. You can also mail us your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Well, Wes, we have a big show, so let's just dive right in. We're going to start with big, big transfer news. Uh, the first of which, of course, starts today with Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, ben Davies coming over and Mikhail Vorm also coming over in an interesting uh, deal. Uh, Spurs are getting rid of Gilfie Sigurdsson. He is going to Swansea. I don't actually have the article up, so I'm hoping that's where we sent him to. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's where we sent him to. Why? Why, why not? Um, and and so the the defensive back as well as the keeper who will most likely be playing uh, second team Europa matches in place of old man Frido. We still oh. love you. He's such a he's he's such a great guy. Um, he's and a super great grandfather from what we hear. Oh, I love him. Uh, there's also an article uh, that has come out from standard.co.uk that according to a uh, former uh, Tottenham great, Jermaine Defoe, uh, he says that Tottenham players have already embraced Maurice Ponchetto's training methods despite being pushed hard by the new manager. So good news there, as long as I'm sure they keep winning games, uh, that kind of hard push during training will be well-received. Um, Wes, do you, do you have any transfer news you'd like to just throw out there? Uh, I know you've got you've got your finger on the pulse. This is one of you talked about tingly nipples. I know for you, this is this and the winter transfer window are your most nipple tingly times of the year. No, not just that, Ed. It's brought on the thickening. Oh, I love it. Oh, the thickening, especially when uh, especially when Liverpool have cash to splash. Thank you, sale of Luis Suarez. The How third, much from all's balls? The the, uh, the third highest uh, transfer fee in world history, which we'll get to number four, which just happened, I believe, today. We'll get or yesterday. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Liverpool this week looking to add three fresh faces. Uh, to the team as they tour the United States tonight in Boston. Currently playing Roma as we speak. That one about to go final. Um, looking this week to add uh, a new striker in Loic Remy. The French international looks like he may come in to be the number two man at Anfield uh, for really a great price, around eight million pounds to bring him in on the transfer. Mm. And for a guy who can provide what he can, not bad business at all for Liverpool is, uh-oh, Man City, looking like they're about to. No, Scott Sinclair, never mind. <laughs> he was going to shast that one. Um, it may have been Michael Richards, even worse. Um, so Loic Remy looks like he's coming uh, to Liverpool, has had a, a uh, medical in Boston, and looks like they'll be adding him. Uh, the long-awaited signing of uh, Dejan Lavron. Uh, I guess where he's from, Ed. Uh, apparently, Liverpool likes signing players from Southampton. Yeah, apparently, even though we got the manager and you get all the players. You got the manager. We're taking the players. Southampton, they're getting some money and, uh, you know, a 
just kind of a wave as everyone yeah. <laughs> uh LeBron uh, coming in uh, a good chance maybe starting central uh, defender for Liverpool this season was ranked as one of the best in the Premier League last year of course defense a uh, big spot of misery for us Reds fans a season ago mm-hmm. um and then another one, which is a really interesting signing, a guy that uh, we got to know in the World Cup, uh, Divac Origi, mm-hmm. um, a yeah. Belgian striker who's only 19 years old, uh, plays for Lille in the French League, and apparently what's going to happen is he is going to sign with Liverpool this week, and we are going to immediately loan him to Lille for the season. Oh. So just to get some seasoning, a really exciting prospect for the next uh, maybe for the next few years coming up for Liverpool. Um, you know, hey, you can never get too many uh, good players in your system. So those are the big three we're looking at this year as the Liverpool Roma game has just gone final. Oh no, Ed Green, mm-hmm. Daniel Agger, an own goal late has given Roma a one nil victory at Fenway. Oh. Once again this season, my favorite team loses at Fenway. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I think the only thing shocker about that is it wasn't Martin Skirtle. Well, Agger, uh, with the <laughs> with the imminent um, inclusion of Dejan Lebron, Agger apparently would be odd man out and maybe on the block. After tonight, I say absolutely you got to sell him. Oh, of I mean, course. How can you give away an own goal at Fenway? Jeez Louise. John, John Henry's having none of that. So uh, now in two straight trips to Fenway Park, <laughs> Liverpool 0-2. Not, not, it's not good home cooking. It's not Anfield. But Roma absolutely loves uh, loves Fenway with two wins over Liverpool. Well, uh, of course, that is what's going on with our clubs. Uh, there's also some big news going on. Uh, perhaps you might have heard of this guy. Some guy, some dude named James Rodriguez. Don't call him James. I'm kidding, of course. James Rodriguez is making a big splash by transferring over to Real Madrid from Monaco. Wes, you called him the breakout star of the World Cup before the World Cup started. You oh. were you were right on there. Ooh, and now he's... Uh... Now he's become the fourth most expensive transfer of all time. And shockingly, three of the top four now make up the front line for Real Madrid. It's it's really disturbing. And I think one, one of the big things is, of course, this is great for James. He really deserves it. He's a fantastic player. And he's he he earned this transfer. Let's let's be real here. He you can't always say, well, he didn't earn the big money. This guy on the biggest stage of the World Cup put up the numbers, scored in every game they played, did it with flair, did it with style, did it with just precise quality. He deserves every bit of it. Question I saw while watching ESPN FC, and they actually brought it up is we we talked a little bit when Suarez went to Barca about how were they going to play together, having Barca, Neymar, and uh, Messi on the same team. Mm-hmm. How are how is Real Madrid going to play now? They have Ronaldo, Bale, and James, and and I believe Benzema. That's right, uh, Benzema, and don't forget uh, you know Di Maria. Yeah, who was uh, really the pi- the uh, the piston that made. Um, 
that made Argentina go and was the uh, was really what made Real Madrid go all the way to the Champions League title last year. Uh, Di Maria, Di Maria, maybe one of the top wingers in the world, could be displaced. And it's just because of all these guys that they've gotten. Taking a look today, you look at all the riches in the attack and in the midfield. Um, you know, Ishko, a guy who a year ago was the great future of Spanish football. Mm-hmm. Ishko suddenly is on the block, and uh, apparently Liverpool is sniffing around. That would, oh man, you want to really get, you want to get me to a full thicky? Mm. You bring Ishko in. I, I love the Spanish. Well, the question is, uh, there was talk on ESPN FC about the actual show. We should say, which we love, we love so much. Especially uh, uh, to have ESPN. Yes, is Hamez going to do okay? playing more back for Real Madrid, which is where they think he's going to play, instead of playing in his more natural number 10 role. Is this is this a move that could actually maybe harm his development a little bit? He's still a very young player, and while we saw he already looked very polished and had a lot of class, is, is this a move that because of all the, the, the players around him could actually maybe stunt his further growth? Well, I'll say this. One thing, he, he's a creator. The goals are great from him, but he is a creator. I think he'll be okay where they want if they want to play a little deeper. Here's my theory to all of this. You know, the last few seasons, even though he is well, he's pretty much the Alex Rodriguez of uh, the football world, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, A, he's not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. Um, B, there have been, you know, rumbles of him potentially leaving Madrid, which while would be shocking, you know, at this point, the last two windows now, you've brought in uh, now James before you brought in Gareth Bale, who's pretty much a natural, you know, a natural replacement for Ronaldo if you wanted to go that route. Of course. I'm almost wondering, it's not been talked about at all, I'm almost wondering if maybe uh, Real Madrid's thinking about, you know, maybe two years down the road. I mean, hey, if you've got all this talent, you need to put somebody in. Why not sell off Ronaldo and just get an absolute massive payday from it? Oh, and, and you absolutely would. You would get so much money for him. Um, I, well, and the rumor has always been uh, him actually returning to Old Trafford, which, you know, would just really – Put a nail in the coffin of my extreme dislike of Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his years away from Old Trapper now have somewhat softened me a bit to him. But, you know, put him back in that red and black, and uh, he'll be right back on my hit list. So you'd, you'd come back to my to my rather extremist view of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, I would go back to an extremist. Now I'm sort of a – well, I don't really care for him, but, man, he's really good, and by God, he's good-looking. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, at that point, it would just go, yeah, he's good. He's still a gorgeous, gorgeous Portuguese man. But I despise the ground he walks on. And if there happened to be an IED on the ground he walked on, it really bothered me. Yeah, the, the, the those Chevy jerseys uh, have a way of making even the most beautiful of men look just a bit uglier. Uh, do we do we want to talk about that at all? Do we want to talk about Man United's new kits? Well, just real quick, the only thing I've got to say about them is um, this is literally the closest thing that has ever come to making me a Ford man. Oh, oh, oh. 
I, I'm, I'm ready to truly express my displeasure with Chevrolet, which I have always been a Chevrolet guy, GMC guy. You know, I rock the caddy now, but hey, it's all made in uh, Detroit, you know, India. <laughs> you know, it's a different this, Detroit. Oh, this is uh, this is rough, man. This is rough having to look at Chevrolet, the the vehicle that I've loved on the on the shirt of the um, team that. Other than the New York Yankees, I think I despise the most. That's tough, man. It's it's not been good. Uh, there's also been some other moves, uh, some other big moves. Of course, speaking of Manchester United, uh, a man who was there for the last eight seasons, uh, Patrice Everett, will be going to Juventus, or Juventus, uh, which I think is an interesting move because not just last week, we were talking about Juventus, uh, their former coach, leaving because he didn't, presumably because he didn't feel that management would be able to have enough money to sign players to keep them relevant. Well, we know they just signed Evra. How much he has left in the tank is a little suspect, not, not going to lie. But that's, he's not the only one. Uh, they're also getting Alvaro Morata. And uh, I, there was one more, I believe they were trying to get, um, and I do not. Uh, Zerdan Shakiri's up there. There you go, uh, Shakiri. Uh, so, what do you think about the Evra move? Just you know, obviously, we know how you feel about United, but what do you think about the <laughs> Evra move? And do you think that Juventus is trying to to get players? To, to compete in the Champions League, or are they pulling basically a QPR at this point? Well, the problem is, you know, yeah, you're bringing in some nice names, but then, you know, the wire all around the world right now is that you're, you know, they might be looking to sell Arturo Vidal and Paul Pogba, maybe the best midfield combination in the world. Yes. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, Murata's going to be a nice addition. He's a player who, you know, could be good for the next seven, eight years. But, I mean, at what cost is it going to come at? I mean, are, are you going to sell, I said, literally what might be the best two-man midfield in the world in Vidal and Pogba? I mean, if you sell those, you're you're a shell of what you are. Um, Pogba, in a year or two, may be the best midfielder in the world. Yeah, he's really uh, good. Vidal, Vidal right now walks into just about any side in the world, maybe bar Real Madrid at this point, and makes <laughs> them better. Um, you know, there, there have been the rumblings around, you know, if they're available, should Liverpool put in an audacious, uh, you know, bid for uh, for Vidal especially. And, it, I mean, he's a massive player who really would help anyone. So, you know, I, I think we're just – we're going to have to wait till the end of this window to really see what Juventus's plan was, I think. Yeah, they're, they're a little Sacramento Kingsy right now. It's, it's tough to have any idea of what they're really doing. It looks like they're trying to buy people. Um, but if, if they do end up selling two of the best youngsters in the entire world – you know, you got you got to think where that leaves them, and especially we've seen the last couple of years now. The Champions League is won with young, fresh legs, mm-hmm. and that's something that Juventus would really be losing, especially if they got rid of Pogba. Pogba was one of my favorite uh, newcomers to come out of the World Cup. Obviously, uh, Rodriguez really stole the show, but Pogba won Best Young Player for a reason. He is a tremendous talent. Well, I mean, you talk about James, and then you talk about Paul Pogba. You know, James is uh, 23 years old. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Pogba's only 21 years old. Yeah. Pogba's younger. You know, he's big. He's 6'1". He's a big, strong, absolute stud of a midfielder. Uh, Vidal a little older. Vidal's about 27. But he is literally, he's right in the middle of his prime right now. Oh, yeah. Um, and Pogba, I'm sure Real Madrid is absolutely ruining the day that they uh, let Paul Pogba go uh, on a free, no less. Um, but it, it, it'll, it would just... It's really interesting because everything's kind of wide open right now. One bit of news. Uh, you did mention uh, that Liverpool might be in the mix for Isco. Uh, well, it has come across uh, earlier today that uh, now the the oil titans that are Man City are also going to be throwing their hat in the ring for him. Um, he, and, and, of course, uh, Pellegrini was uh, Isco's coach at Malaga mm-hmm. uh, before he sold to Madrid. So there's definitely a... Uh, there's a connection there. There is, and uh, so we'll have to keep checking on that. Uh, of course, one final transfer we'll talk about, at least for the Premier League, that I think would make both of us very, very, very sad is uh, if Man United somehow gets Matt's Hummels. Uh, they have been linked. Um, they have, I, of course, uh, Jurgen Klopp has uh, now infamously said that uh, – if they sell Hummels for that price, that he will quote eat a broomstick. Yes, I did see that. So, so hopefully, hopefully this will not happen. I really liked Hummels from what I saw from him at the World Cup. That's really my uh, first introduction to him. Really, besides a little bit of Champions League. So, I just I, I enjoyed the David Moyes era. I enjoyed it, and now I feel like it's just quickly slipping away already. And I, it's it's making me sad, Wes. Um, well, and right now, Dortmund, I, I, I really, I kind of feel somewhat for Dortmund Mm -hmm. because they are such a great club, but they just, they don't, they don't have the oil money. I mean, right now their star attacker, Marco Royce, uh, in the last week, he's been linked with a move away, uh, potentially, I know. I know I saw like a broken record, but once again, one of those uh, Liverpool rumors. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you know the thing is, Liverpool, you got seventy-five million for Suarez, and according to Brendan Rodgers, everyone they brought in, they haven't touched that seventy-five million yet. Yeah, you you got you got money burning a hole, burning a hole in your pocket. So there there is money to spend, you know, of a doll, a, a Royce, something of that sort. But um, I mean, it would just be an absolute shame for Dortmund, you know, because, of course, uh, Lewandowski is debuting, I believe, tonight or tomorrow for Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. Uh, went on a free this summer from uh, Dortmund to uh, Bayern. Uh, Hummels, you'd hate to lose Hummels. You'd hate to lose Royce. You know, what two years ago was a Champions League finalist Yep, is suddenly just being gutted. Of course, Mario Goetze, who scored the winning goal in the World Cup, a Dortmund player who Munich bought a year ago. So, oh, you know, obviously as a Liverpool fan, yes, I would love to see Marco Royce or uh, or even uh, Mats Hummels at Liverpool. But at the same time, as more as a world fan, which I am, I would absolutely hate to see this uh, Dortmund team just be ripped apart. Could what happen? To some teams in La Liga that tried to chase after Barcelona and Real, could that end up happening to Dortmund? I don't think you'll ever see 
I don't think you'll ever see it get as bad because uh, they have their finances completely under control. Mm-hmm. Um, Dortmund went through a stage back in, I believe it was the late nineties, early two thousands where they basically were bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they got everything under control and that's actually what's really cool about Dortmund. And I, I don't think I'm quoting this wrong is that, um, they're actually owned mostly by the supporters. We can, we can fact check that really easily. Yeah, I said that, but that, that's, that's a really cool thing. But, but the thing with that is, like I said, you don't have the oil money. They've right. had to do it by being smart with their money. Um, you know, by bringing in young players, bringing them through, and then they've had to turn around and they've sold some of those players for big money. Uh, Nuri Shaheen, who's actually back with them now, uh, was a player who they sold to Real Madrid. Uh, Madrid sold it back to him, uh, and they got him back for a discounted price. Uh, but, you know, they sold him. Um, uh, Kagawa for Manchester United. He was the number 10 for a couple of seasons for Dortmund and was fantastic. Mm-hmm. They sold him, you know, got a good profit out of him. They sold him. But that's what they're having to do is they're having to really pluck more of the diamonds in the rough and going out and more molding those players with the great coaching of Jurgen Klopp and his staff. And that's uh, that's just more what you're getting from Dortmund. They're not going out like Bayern Munich and just buying every great German player. Right. And I actually just looked it up really quick. Uh, Dortmund, the actual only publicly traded club on the German stock market. Uh, mm-hmm. They are a, a publicly owned team. Uh, yep. And I, it says here... Uh, it's part of a large membership-based sports club with a hundred thousand members, which, oddly enough, I, I didn't realize this. They're actually the third largest sports club membership in Germany. So that means there's two actually bigger than that, which I believe this this would be a, basically a Green Bay Packers situation. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, so basically, they they mostly reinvest what they make. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of thing, but like I say, you know, they don't have the big Russian oil money. They don't have the Middle Eastern oil money. Um, you know, they don't have the big American owner. Um, so it's, it's not exactly, it's not that open wallet kind of deal for those guys. So I really, really respect what Dortmund's been able to build over the last few years. And I would just, I would hate to see it fall apart at this point. I would as well. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit now to the other team where we're talking about from Germany, Bayern Munich, with a little bit of news coming out this week. And Wes, you get to play the cynic on this one, as I know you love to do. I will play the cynic because I, as soon as you send me that, <laughs> I have my reason that this is happening. <laughs> Uh, and I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, and I, I halfway agree with you. But right now, coming out uh, this week, Pep Guardiola, coach for Bayern Munich, uh, has come out and said that Julian Green will remain with Bayern Munich's first team this year. Uh, he's going to be on the first uh, team for Bayern Munich as they come over to the United States. Uh, but he has said, uh, quote, is saying, now he stays with us. He's going to stay with us and make preseason. I think he's going to stay for the season, but we have to see how is the market, if one player's back or what players come in. Today, I think he's going to see it, but I think we'll see the preseason. We have time. Um, my first idea is that he's going to stay for the rest of the season. Um, so, okay, okay, be, be Captain Cynic, and I will be Captain Slightly Optimistic. <clears throat> Okay, to take nothing away from Julian Green. I want to preface with that. I take nothing away from Julian Green here. The reason he is on the first team, where did you say they were coming on their tour? I believe I said they were coming to the United States. 
And man, oh man, who's one of the hottest names in the United States soccer community right now? But Julian Green. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I bet he plays a lot while he's over here as well. Probably. No offense on him. Unless, you know, he could end up being a great Munich player one day. He is on this first team because they are looking to make some money. They're going to be selling Julian Green Bayern Munich jerseys at every city they go to. Uh, they are going to be pushing the brand, and that—that that is the biggest thing in world football is pushing the brand. Mm-hmm. You know about that pushing from watching wrestling. World brand. Oh, well, Liverpool's doing it. United are the masters of doing it. Um, why do you think Madrid signs a Galactico every year so they can <laughs> sell shirts, so they can push their brand? And Munich is really looking to get into the North American market because this is this is the great untapped money potential in the world right now is the United States mm-hmm. because we're just getting into this sport that the rest of the world has been in love with for 80 years. We're just getting into it. Mm-hmm. So you're finding people like you, like me who, Hey, you know, we're getting into this sport now. You know, you and I have been in a little longer, I guess, but you know, Hey, we're going to choose a team and Hey, here's a good reason to choose our team because we've got your great American star playing for us. I'm going to start with a quick uh, story that I wanted to talk about at the beginning, forgot to, but it seems appropriate to bring up now. Uh, I have now realized, because you were talking about me liking soccer for a little longer now, uh, I have now had an actual crystallized moment when I realized how much I actually do care about soccer. I was at the gym Monday, as I am known to do. Actually, I was on the gym Tuesday, sorry. I was on one of the ellipticals. And I got on and I said, oh, ESPN News has on ESPN FC, as we mentioned early in the podcast that I was watching. This is where I saw it. So it's on. I'm like, oh, great. They're talking about James. Oh, they're talking about Dunga. Oh, they're talking about all this stuff. And then they went to a commercial break and I started watching a different TV for a little bit. And when I came back to that TV, it was College Football Live. And I spontaneously and unironically let out an audible groan. And at that moment, that's when I realized, oh God, I'm now a serious soccer fan when I would rather be watching ESPN FC than college football live. Like I was just like, no, no, get this off. Put, put ESPN FC back on. I don't even care if you want to do a replay of the show I just watched. Just, just, just no, no, no. That's out there. I don't... I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. This is this is a move that is 100% to sell jerseys and to garner attention and to tap into that U.S. fan base. That said, I could see Julian Green being on the first team. I'm not saying he's starting 11 at all. But I could see them wanting to bring him up to the first team for the majority, if not all the season. I mean, you have this really good young player who didn't play that much for you last year, but now with all the tournaments you're going to be playing, I think he's going to get a fair amount of minutes. Maybe not so much in Bundesliga play, but I think he's going to get some run in as long as he performs. And I think that he is going to be given the chance to perform. And if he does... I will actually take Guardiola at his word and say, well, if he performs really well, he could see more and more playing time. I I think this is done 
to get exposure. But I think it could lead to something else. I don't think they're just going to take him for the first team while they're in the United States. And as soon as they get back to Germany, not keep him there no matter how he plays. I believe if he has a lot of success in these games, he could stay on that first team for quite a while. That's why I'm slightly more optimistic than you. I don't disagree with anything you just said. I just think there is there there is a non-cynical lining to this as well. I think he's going out on loan somewhere. I mean, here's the deal, man. He's 18. You're literally looking at, you know, ESPN FC has them. They're basically the co-favorite to win the Champions League with Real Madrid. Yes. This is a team that has a legitimate opportunity every year to win a treble. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Green is not their best, brightest young player. Mm-hmm. He's up there. He's a good one. He's a good one. But, I mean, it's not like you're sitting on, you know, another Messi or, at this point, another Schweinsteiger, something like that. Um, Really, you've really got to think about how good and how talented and how deep this Bayern Munich squad is. I mean, this is a team that just sold Tony Cruz, one of the the best midfielders in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. They just sold him because they were like, well, I mean, we've got depth. You know, we can make some money, and he's not going to play every game for us anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, that's Tony Cruz. Yeah. I just – I believe – I'm not saying Green doesn't have a future with Germany, but I just um, – I fully, fully, fully believe you'll see him on loan somewhere this year, most likely in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. uh, where he can get some really good playing experience. Because you're just you're heaping a ton of pressure on a kid, on an 18 year old kid who has basically gotten one great football moment at this point to his name. <laughs> True. Just think you're heaping a ton of pressure on him to put him in that first team. I don't disagree with that. I I, I just I didn't mention that as much because I had heard some reports seeming to suggest that a loan was looking less and less likely. Um. I don't. I don't think that's out of the question either. I, th- I and I would almost, to an extent, for the reasons you just mentioned, almost prefer that. Uh, mm-hmm. I would rather him get a lot of first team minutes um, in a slightly less pressure packed environment. But you know what? It, on the other hand, I almost you know throw him in the fire a little bit. See how the kid performs. I, I'm not. I and and that's a little bit. I think what we did when we were when we were playing Belgium, the U.S. was playing Belgium, I don't think totally that Klinsman put him in there in the second uh, set of extra time just because he thought the game was over and, hey, let me get this kid 15 minutes of World Cup experience. I genuinely th- think, to an extent, he could have made a bit of a difference. And, hey, he brought him back to within one with a great touch. So I... Part of me wants to see him get a lot of minutes, and part of me wants to see how he keeps responding to top-flight football and, and how he would he does in a pressure cooker because that's what it's going to be from now on for well, him. But, he, but here's the thing. Do, do you really have to throw him in the pressure cooker? He's 18. Yeah. You know, I mean, some guys, Messi was ready at 18. You know, Ronaldo, there are guys who were ready at 18. There are guys who were not ready at 18. You know, 
if you're Bayern Munich, if you don't have to keep him, I mean, I just I think you're stunning his growth more by keeping him in there, just playing like German League Cup games. You know, when you could send him somewhere lower in the league, and you know he could play. You know, he could start 25, 26 games for someone in the Bundesliga. And now suddenly you get him back next year and, hey, he's 19, he's matured some, and the guy's got 20-plus starts under his belt in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, I think I think this is something we're just going to keep discussing as it goes on, and I think it's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on. And if we agreed totally on every issue, this would be a really boring podcast. And I don't think we necessarily totally disagree with each other either. I I, I think I just feel slightly more strongly about him staying at Bayern than you do like five percent more <laughs> but see, totally see what happens yeah it'll be fun uh speaking of other MLS stars uh a bit of surprising news last week just a bit uh sporting Kansas City who's playing right now against Manchester City uh lock- uh thanks for the spoiler warning well, um <laughs> they locked up two of their stars who I don't believe are actually playing in this match. Graham Zuzi and Matt Beasler both signed long-term extensions to stay at SKC. Nice header. Uh, a bit of an interesting situation there. Both were linked to maybe going to play overseas. I think Beasler a little more than Zuzi. Uh, but both names were being floated, floating out there. and uh, But they are both going to be staying in America. In addition, uh, Demarcus Beasley is actually coming back from Mexico and will be playing with the Houston Dynamo now. So a lot of movement kind of back towards MLS. You and I talked with Nick Petrovich last week about our U.S. stars trying to go abroad and that's what Klinsman wants them to do. How do you think he feels about these two guys staying at Sporting KC and then Demarcus coming back to, to MLS. Granted, he wasn't playing any European football. He was playing in Mexico. But that's another guy who's now coming back to MLS. Um, truth be told, I don't think he's looking at those guys to be the backbone of his 2018 World Cup team. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. is producing better, younger players than they ever have before. Yeah. Um, and of course, by producing, I mean going to, you know, Germany and picking them up, of course. Yes. Um, the best production there is. DeAndre, um, I love you. DeAndre, uh, Julian, yeah. I just, I, I don't believe those guys were, I don't believe they were earmarked to be the future of U.S. soccer. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think he may find it mildly annoying. But I think he's much more interested in seeing what DeAndre Yedlin's going to do um, and seeing what some of those younger guys are going to do. I think Beasler is a bit more surprising. I didn't think Zuzi realistically would or even should go to a European league. I think he's fine where he is, and I don't even know how much of a role he'd be playing in the next World Cup cycle. Uh, Beasler, just 27, has probably one more World Cup left in him if he keeps it up. Uh, he was very good, very, very consistent in the World Cup. I, I really liked watching him. I'm, I'm a little bit more surprised he's not going. I thought he would. 
Um, and obviously DeMarcus, he's sort of at the tail end of his career. So him coming back is not a big deal. Um, we mentioned him though. We, we've done all this talk about Julian Green and probably DeAndre Hedlund was the most impressive youngster to come out of the World Cup for the United States. Uh, do you think Yedlin absolutely needs to go in the next 12 to 18 months to a European side? Um, let me let me play the broken record I've played all night. Uh, apparently I've heard Liverpool has some interest. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but what that tells you is if a side like Liverpool do have interest in you, that means other teams in Europe have interest in you right. as well. Right. Um, I think for him, what he's nineteen, uh, nineteen or twenty, yeah. Um, he is at the age where for him, it's time. It's time to make a move. You know, he's uh, he has been cited as pure quality coming off uh, the World Cup. Um, people are definitely interested. I mean, he's got God. He's so fast as a bat as a right bat. Oh man! Um, and of course, and the reason Liverpool, Liverpool, I think has been um, connected with just about every right and left back <laughs> uh, available in world football this summer. Yes. Those two, really, two of the uh, booger boo positions for Liverpool um, last season that they're looking to strengthen. But you know, if clubs like that are looking at you. This this is what Klinsman is talking about going to Europe. This is what he's talking about. It's not so much going to the uh, it's not so much going to um, Denmark or Finland or Norway or wherever Johansson's playing. You got to help me out. I can't remember. Uh, AZ Akbar? Yeah, wherever that is. That's Norway. Nor Norwegia, as I like to call it, Norwegia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I mean, while that is an improvement, I don't even know that's an improvement over MLS, but that's not so much what he saw. He wants to see guys end up in England, Spain, Germany, France, Italy. (laughs) Those are the kind of places he wants these guys to end up at um, where you're playing top competition. And for DeAndre Yedlin, you know, if he could end up at, um, you know, a Roma, one of the Milans, um, you know, uh, Lille, um, Marseille, maybe in France, uh, a Wolfsburg, you know, somewhere like that in Germany. One of the up and com- one of the up and comers. One of the teams who, you know, I mean, obviously, you, you don't really want to see him go to PSG or Chelsea because he's not getting into those sides, right? Um, you don't want to really see him go to Juventus, maybe, but one of those upper mid table teams. Um, you know, a team that's challenging for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. If he could go in and get himself a place in that team, I mean, you're golden for Team USA. For Jurgen, you are golden, and that's what Jurgen wants to see these guys push themselves to do. And I think that's why he's been so disappointed. Is you had some guys who were there, you know, Bradley at Roma, um, you know, Dempsey at Tottenham. You had guys who were in those places, and then. For whatever reason, they left. Yeah. Okay. And Jurgen just wants to see guys go out and take the challenge and make yourself better, because you're trust me, you're going to get better playing in Europe at this point than you are playing for AC or playing for MLS. If if you've really got the talent to go do it. Yeah. Well, I think you should definitely go. Now put on now put on your uh, put on your kit put on your scarf. Ah, oh, Miss Scarf. 
and you've 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 entrenched yourself in all these rumors. So if it oh. comes out tomorrow that says Liverpool have come to an agreement with DeAndre Yedlin for whatever amount of money, I don't know, two years, fifteen million or something. I, I I'm not that whatever. You <laughs> something reasonable. How do you feel about it as a Liverpool fan? I would love it. Um and the reason is because Yedlin has proven that he has, you know, Yedlin, he, he's got the ability. Um, he's, he's a blazer down the side. He loves going forward, but he can also defend. I think he's a really good prospect. Um, for Liverpool, the number I saw bandied about was between two and three million um, on the transfer fee, mm-hmm. which would represent a great value buy if he does come good. Uh, and of course, by value pie, you mean you know, hey, this guy didn't cost us a ton of money, and suddenly, suddenly, either you have your starting right back for the next uh, ten years, or in five years, if he's a world star, hey, you sell him, you make, you know, you sell him for thirty million, and you've made so much money off of your uh, move that you know now you're you're funding other things with it. Right. I would absolutely love it to Liverpool. I think he could play a good part in Liverpool over the next few years. I think I think right now I think he's more ready to contribute to a first team than Julian Green is. Mm-hmm. Um and I think part of it is just it's where he plays. Yeah, yeah. So be in the back um because up front for a major European team especially somebody like Munich and that's where Julian would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's 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 tough. That's a lot of pressure. But I would absolutely I'd be smiling ear to ear if I woke up on thisisanfield.com and uh, saw Yedlin holding his Liverpool jersey. All right. Well, moving on from something I think you'd be terribly, oh, what a bad own goal. Oh, what a bad own goal. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, Anyway, uh, so moving on from something you were incredibly excited about to something I believe Brazilians would not actually be excited about, uh, that is apparently Dunga coming back to uh, to coach the Brazilian national team. Of course, he came over in 2006 after the World Cup and uh, led them into the 2010 World Cup, losing to the Dutch in the quarterfinals, uh, and then was replaced amidst many calls for his head by Big Phil Scolari. Uh, now Scolari is gone, and they're going back to Dunga. Um, Wes, save save Brazil. What what are they thinking right now? Why 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 would they go to what was most likely a very unpopular choice? And they call England the good old boys club over there. Oof, oof, you're not I kidding. Mean, I mean, these guys they're recycling more than the hippies in uh, Eugene, Oregon do at this point. Um, Brazil can't figure out what they want to do. There is, I just, I believe right now around the Brazil team, there is so much turmoil. The The mood is horrible from the end of the World Cup. Uh, you know, now they now they choose an unpopular coach. Ooh, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a tough time to be uh, on that Brazil Football Federation right now. I will say this, I did enjoy his quote saying that they shouldn't have reacted like they did to Neymar's injury, like he had died. That, that was ballsy, and I enjoyed it. I actually thought he was a good coach. Um, I think they just, in the uh, the 10 World Cup, they just got outplayed in the second half by the Dutch. 
I don't. I think they were actually the better side, and I don't think that's really his fault. I actually, I actually liked him as a coach. Um, I know I, apparently he wasn't very popular, and <laughs> I can't imagine how he's going to be popular now. So we'll have to keep tabs on that and see how that progresses. Because guess what, Brazil's actually got to go through qualifying, and while I would never suggest that they would miss uh, coming out of Conmebol. Uh, it's it's going to be a much more interesting World Cup cycle for them this time than it was uh, this last four years. And I think it'll do them good to have to qualify. They need yeah. they need to go out and actually show up and do something. So. Yeah, they need they need more than the Confederations Cup. Um, we'll do two quick soccer stories and then get out of here. One, uh, we're going to play taps. Let's put the flag at half mast, Wes. The captain. Mm-hmm. He's retiring from international football. Stevie G, eulogize eulogize his international career, Wes. The rudderless shit that is now England football. Yes. Um, Stevie, 114 caps. Only two players or more. The only outfield player with more caps, David Beckham, I believe, who had 116. And, uh, oh, don't kill me, it was a goalkeeper somewhere who I think has the record. Ah, Stevie was both magnificent for England and maddening with England. Mm -hmm. For years, you had Stevie and you had uh, Frank Lampard, who were two of the best midfielders in the world, who just happened to play the same position in a different way. And every England manager's great challenge was to try to figure out a way to play a midfield of Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard. (laughs) And none of them could do it. I don't, I, I don't hold it against anyone because I don't believe there was a way to do it when they were both in their prime. Right. Because both of them liked the ball at their feet. They liked to go forward. And when both went forward, that left you horribly exposed at the back. <laughs> so, therefore, you were having to ask one of them to do something that was not in their nature as players. Um, so, therefore... With the with Stevie moving on, I be, I believe that kind of signals the end of the golden generation, mm-hmm. which for all the goldenness it was, never produced jack squat for England. Mm-hmm. Um, which begs to ask the question: Why were they called the golden generation? Coach of War uh, is sadly shaking their head. You know, uh, suddenly I mean, you're talking about guys who were stalwarts for years, who you know are suddenly gone. I mean, you look just since June. Ashley Cole, Lampard, and now Gerard all gone from the national setup. And those three, especially for the last 10 years, they have been kind of your first name on the team sheet, guys, every one of them. Gerard, of course, um, since 2012, the English captain. I think he'll go down as a good England captain. Um, not, not a great one, but he was a good one. Uh, Gerard always had a way of uh, rallying the troops. He, he played his heart out for England. Uh, when he pulled on the shirt, uh, he, he played as hard as he could. He, he did everything he could. You can't always say that about England players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, from what we know, he never uh, slept with everyone else's wives. So, you know, you automatically have to put him above John Terry. Um, <laughs> and he never had cornrows, which I think makes him better than Rio Ferdinand. Oh, Rio. Well, here's my, I guess, and I know we got to move on, but this is my quick question. You you talk about this golden generation for England. Individually, and with, with their clubs, they won a lot. 
Ashley Cole won a lot at Chelsea. Frank Lampard won a lot. Stevie G won a lot. Never won the Premier League title, but still won a lot of other stuff. So, he has an FA Cup. You know, David Beckham obviously won a lot. Phil Neville won a lot. Yeah. Paul Scholes won a lot. I think it's. I think that's the weird thing. And I know we. I joked about you know Cote d'Ivoire. They never won like the African Cup of Nations. You know, they 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 that golden generation really didn't win anything. And but somehow this England side had players who were winning players who won major tournaments and yet couldn't couldn't quite turn it on that much for the national team. And I think that's that's the biggest regret because it's not that they didn't even have winners on the team. They obviously had winners. They just couldn't be winners when they well, put on the England kit. Well, and one of the things, and I've read some things this week, in England, since the dawn of the Premier League in 1992, the clubs have become so important yeah. that the clubs basically have turned their back on the FA. <clears throat> um, in Germany, of course, Germany, now the world champions. In Spain, the clubs have a lot to do with the national setup. They're invested in the national setup. In England, you've got so many foreign owners You've got so many foreign players coming in that the Premier League is almost – it's its own monster. Mm -hmm. um, they don't care. You know, hey, Liverpool, I'll say it now. What does John Henry care about England in the World Cup? Not much, if at all. He's American. He's yeah. from Boston. They overthrew the English. <laughs> uh, you know, other than the fact that he had, I believe, six players at the World Cup this summer, and I'm sure he pulled for England because of that. What was John Henry's impetus to, you know, what's more important to John Henry, Liverpool or England? Obviously Liverpool. You know, what's more important to Roman Abramovich, Chelsea or England? A Roman could give a crap about England. And, you know, that's trickled down to the players. So many players, you know, there are the few, you know, uh, I believe Lampard, I believe Gerard, Beckham especially, you know, they pulled on the England shirt and that was all they cared about at that point was England. Uh-huh. Um, but there are too many guys who they care more about their brand and they care more about, you know, hey, I'm just going to make sure I'm ready to go for Chelsea or United or Liverpool or Arsenal. That's what I'm worried about. This is just kind of, you know, this is my summer thing. I'll do this while I'm here. And I just, I think you've lost the impetus for England to be great. I, I don't disagree with that. I, th I think there's just so much money in, in all the club uh, tournaments, the club leagues, that there's, there's no real impetus to care if you're a club about the World Cup and the national team. There just, there just isn't. They don't. don't. And, um... For Stevie, Stevie will go down as a great England player, a good England captain. Um, yeah, he's he's an English legend without a doubt. He will be missed. Um, but this is what happens, man. This is world football. You know, Philip Lahm, who is now a World Cup winning captain from Germany, a week ago he steps down, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, all these national team uh, coaches can do is just look and say, well, come September I got to get ready for uh, Euro 2014. Thank you. Next up. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, real quick, before we get off soccer, sort of, um, I want to get your 10-second hot take on Ashley Cole saying as he moves to Italy uh, over this uh, in the latest transfer, 
uh, that he didn't want to go to MLS because he's not ready for the beach. And he still has a lot of play left. So please, please give us your hot take on, on Ashley Cole's comments. Um, that is a guy who for 10 to 15 years has been one of the elite players in the world. Probably should have been on England's national side. Most likely should have for a decade was viewed as uh, potentially the best left back in world football. Um, was viewed by some as the only world-class England player in the setup. Um, and I believe right there you got the you got the opinion of MLS to the world elite. You know, I think uh, still at this point, the elite players in the world see MLS as that's my retirement plan. I'll go to America. They'll pay me out the butt and I can just cruise. As Lawless said on Twitter, uh, there's beaches in Italy, too. Yeah, but I mean, really, who wants to go yeah. to beaches? Like, probably still mines from World War II, yeah. Ooh, bad times. All right, going to the NBA. And as I mentioned to you in the rundown for this week's episode, uh, apparently Adam Silver listens to our podcast. Uh, new NBA commissioner Adam Silver. Uh, because, yeah, because last week uh, we talked about how, you know, we don't really care for the NBA until the playoffs come around. You know, the, all this and all that, and that's when we care. Well, he, apparently, through our love of soccer and through listening to our podcast, has put into a, for consideration, a, an FA Cup-style tournament for the NBA. He proposed this at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference earlier this year, um, and he wants to, and he did it again Tuesday in Las Vegas, and uh, he, he basically wants to have a mid-season sort of tournament with all the NBA teams similar to the FA Cup. Uh, what do you think about this? Does the NBA need this? Does, should the NBA do this? And how cool is it that the NBA is trying to poach on, uh, on Premier League football? No. <laughs> no. No. Um, what makes the FA Cup so cool is that... Um, the team from basically the third division can go to the Emirates and knock off Arsenal. That's what's cool about the FA Cup is um, Notts County versus Manchester United, and Notts County has a chance. Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's Watford, you know, playing Man City. It's, uh, you know, it, it's Liverpool playing... Um, you know, Preston North End, and it, it matters. That's what's cool about the FA Cup. Um, everybody plays everybody in the NBA season. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, now, I would tell you what I would love to see. I would love to see, like, an, uh, a pro basketball, almost like a Champions League. Now, that would be cool. Ooh. That would be cool. Now, obviously, with the way pro basketball works logistically it's insane because you're playing 82 games. You don't then want to turn around and play another 15 or 16 plus the playoffs. Oh yeah. We'll see how it could work. I think it would be kind of cool though. Maybe every two years to get together like uh, the, and really with this really do like the league champions. Uh huh. Um, you know, you can't go four or five spots in, but get together the league champions Let's go to Dubai and let's play a tournament. Oh, that would be so much fun. I think, I, I think that would be kind of cool. 
Oh, well, that would be so great. Taking the best teams from like Spain and France. Oh. So basically Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, I th- you know, I mean, because there's so much pretty darn good basketball played around the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, the NBA champions would obviously be your favorites, but what you would get out of that is you would get a ton of teams who would be extremely hungry to go out there and um, and and play those in, that NBA team. But what would be cool about it, even more than international basketball, is it's just like the World Cup. Your clubs are always better than your national teams. Absolutely. That's, you know, that's the, true. Now, the United States is just a little different because – we have such a, uh, you know, we have such a grasp of all the war of all. We have such a high percentage of the world's top basketball players. So you know, when we go to Olympic style, it's a little different for us. But I think if you got the club teams together, I think that would be pretty freaking cool. Myself, I think that'd be great. Uh, I, I would actually, I would actually maybe. Okay, not really. I would almost watch that though. Oh yeah, almost, almost is better than not. Um, I would probably like to see the FA Cup in basketball if, 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 if you also had the D-League and when you do this, you cut like 15 to 20 games off the regular season. Oh God, you'd have to do something like that. Yeah. So, so if you do that, because that's great, because my biggest, one of my biggest complaints about the NBA is that the regular season is too long. It doesn't need to be this long if you have four seven-game rounds of the playoffs. So if you can <laughs> shave like the last 20 games off the schedule, just go maybe like 60 games for your season, and have like, and you're playing like three or four tournament games uh, for the quote an FA Cup or whatever for the NBA. Yeah, I could see that. I'd, I'd probably tune in. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool. And you bring in the D-League teams, so it's not just the NBA. So you could maybe have some upsets. Uh, yeah, but, but, I don't know. I, I just, I, the problem with the D-League teams are they're basically feeder teams just straight to the NBA. True. You know, you get, when you get the FA Cup, I mean, you've got, you might have some lone players, obviously. But, you know, these are guys who, I mean, hey, they're wearing the badge for Derby County. You know, they're, they're wearing the badge for Leeds United. This is who they're playing for. Um, you know, I mean, would you maybe go out and buy the best D-League player off a certain team the week before you played them in the finals? Yeah. Well, there obviously have to be regulations so that if you did that, they would not be eligible. Well, I guess they just you'd, – you'd have to keep some sort of roster parity then. Like if, yeah. if, you, if you start the FA Cup with the team, you have to keep going with that team regardless if you are bought or traded. Yeah. So I just, uh, I don't know. I, just, I like I tournaments. It, I, don't, I don't see it working with the with the D-League teams. Just because also, I mean, all the D-League is, you know, the D-League is this is my audition to get on an NBA roster. You know, so you don't get teams that are playing team basketball. Fundamentally I mean, so. You go to a D-League game, it's nothing like an NBA game. Oh, I'm sure it's uh, not. You know, it, it's it's guys trying to prove their individual what they can do individually because they're just all they're trying to do is uh is get out of the D League as fast as they can. <laughs> so well, hopefully the D League is to get out. 
we are going to now head into the zeitgeist. Uh, this time, uh, we got a few stories here. Uh, still uh, with a bit of a soccer focus, but I'm not sure if you got a chance to read the uh, New York Times article I sent you. Uh, there was a great piece about uh, Qatari soccer empire trying to buy a foothold in Europe, which, ironically <laughs> enough, actually is taking place in Belgium, um, uh, mainly because of the strong mix of languages that exists there, anything from English, French, Flemish, whatever. Uh, they... <laughs> <laughs> They basically speak it all there, but it basically tells about the uh, the Qatari uh, Federation trying to build a thing by basically taking African players and putting them in Belgium and making a team. And it's, it's just a fascinating story, and it also makes me think that Qatar and we, we've we've talked a little bit about the the oil sheiks coming into PSG and Man City. And sort of, kind of, a little bit ruining the game. And here it seems like they're trying to do this on an even bigger level. Wes, what, what, what do we make of this? And how much more depressed are we about a potential 2022 World Cup in Qatar because of this? Well, the Kenny Powers in me says we just need to bomb somebody and take over all that oil <laughs> ourselves. Um, it's not xenophobia. It's not xenophobia. I just believe we're the greatest country in the world. That used to be called patriotism. <laughs> um, man, I, money, er, everything's money now. And when you got, when you've got a group of people who have a boatload of it and they decide they really want to do something, Lord knows a lot of times they end up doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just, just look at the premier league. You know, Chelsea was Chelsea was usually seventh, eighth in the league. They've turned into a world power, oil money. Uh, Man City was mid-table on their good years. Oil money, now they're one of the best clubs in the world. Um, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. And I mean, not to say for those teams, hey, if you're a fan of those teams, man, it's awesome. We yeah. love your oil money. Keep it coming. But, you know, if you care and you're big into tradition or doing things what I call the right way, yeah. which is, you know, not just dropping $60 million every time you want a player or just going out and buying everybody up, it's, it's just it's a little frustrating. It's just frustrating. But the, these people in Qatar and these big-time businessmen around the world, I mean, hey, it's almost like the American owners. They've realized that you can make a buttload of money by getting into the Premier League. Mm -hmm. The TV contracts are huge. The merchandise is huge. It's becoming a bigger global sport. You know, merchandising, branding, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they've realized what you can do in it. So when rich businessmen want to make more money, they find ways to exploit that. And they're just doing it now with world soccer. It started in England. It started with a team here and there. You know, Monaco. Monaco literally went from the second division of France uh, in two years, and they're back in the Champions League. Yeah. And they finished second in France last year after literally being um, promoted the year before. They finished second. Um, oil money. <laughs> and they just got a, bunch, a buttload of it back by selling James. Um it's 
I hate to say it's, it's just it's just the way the world works now. He who has the dollar makes the rules. These Qatari guys, they've got so many of those petrodollars that uh, obviously they've gotten into the pockets of FIFA. Uh, we Sadly, we are going to have that World Cup in Qatar no matter how terrible it may be or how you know corrupt it may be. We're going to have that World Cup in Qatar. And now they're just, uh, you know, they're starting to find ways into other places. PSG, you know, is just kind of the first of them. The uh, the name Aspire for their group is just so, like, happy face creepy. That it, it feels like this would be the, the cover front organization of the villain in a Bond movie. That's the vibe I get from it. And Dr. Evil? Yes, yes. It's <laughs> e- Evil Corp. It's Evil he was, Corp. He was Belgian, don't forget that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't fault anybody for trying to to trying to trying play with the big guys. It, it just seems like they're trying to do it the wrong way. I Maybe it's because I grew up hating the New York Yankees and the way they did business. It, it, just, it just feels wrong it it feels like there should be like some sense of development and having to earn everything you get instead of just buying it all and, and reading this article about about this team Upen, i i just get the feeling this is going to be like the silver spoon team and then this team doesn't even get promotion to belgium's first class um it it just the whole thing comes off to me as very unseemly, uh, and, and just a little slimy. So I, I, I maybe I'm taking it the wrong way. Maybe I'm I, I don't think it's xenophobic even jokingly. I just I, it just seems dirty to me, and maybe that is some sort of bias against Qataris, but I I don't know. I just I, it's hard to feel good about anything I read in this article. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just, uh, I don't really know if there's much more to say about it. It's just, it's like you said, it's slimy feeling. It just, it doesn't feel in the, let's say, in the spirit of the game. Yes, exactly. It just, it doesn't feel like it. And like you said, it's very New York Yankees. But hey, even the Yankees have had to come back to earth because baseball finally put some sort of financial, yeah, you know. Luxury tax. Yeah, I mean, they put something into it to just try to deter them. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with world soccer, that's never going to happen because you've got too many countries doing it. And, you know, people always say, well, England should put a salary cap. Well, fine. If England does, you know what? All these foreign players are just going to go to Spain. They're just they're going to go whoever is paying them. Yeah. Um, be it Russia, <laughs> Spain, yeah. China. Whoever's going to pay them, that's where they're going to go. And and here's the biggest problem and and where it all stems from. There are totally regulations and restrictions in place. We know there are because Man City got hit with financial fair play this year. Guess what, though? The organization handing out these restrictions is one of the most corrupt in the world. So I just... It's it's just sort of depressing to think about, and and is one of the things when I think about soccer really getting a foothold in this country. This is the stuff I just want to like take to the basement, hit with a shovel in the head, and then bury it outside. <laughs> well, like, the thing no. is, talk about FIFA. I mean, they've got all these regulations in place. They've got all these rules in place. 
Teams break the rules, and then they're just let off. City, PSG, well, okay, you know, we're just going to, you're just going to pay us. All that happened to them was a fine, which means they paid money to FIFA. Yes. I mean, for FIFA, hey, yeah, everybody, please break financial fair play. We're not doing anything to you. You just get to pay us money. You know, it almost seems like the bigger the club, the less the rules apply. I mean, look at, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of have a dog in this fight with the whole Suarez thing. Barcelona. Yeah. You know, Barcelona was put on all these uh, restrictions and probations. And then it's like, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to give you a summer at least to, you know, fortify yourselves. You know, Barcelona should not have ever even had the opportunity to try to get Suarez this summer. That's Why? true. Because they broke whatever FIFA rules they broke that were so terrible. They broke them. FIFA puts all these sanctions on them, but then, eh, well, okay, tell you what, we'll let you guys off, uh, and maybe down the road we'll put those sanctions on you. I don't think you'll ever see those sanctions. FIFA picks and chooses what they want to do and who they want to do it to. Never, never before have I almost uh, felt a shred of sympathy for Arsene Wenger, but this is about as close as I'll ever get to it. God, I do sound like a nutta. No, and, and to be fair, balls, balls. <laughs> you, the, here's the problem, and, and here's why it su- it sucks. He's not wrong. You're not wrong. We this is totally something we're all in agreement. On. It just sucks. He's the head coach of Arsenal, and it's the way we look at him as saying, "Well, you have a lot of money. You just don't spend it very well, or you don't spend it at all. So you shouldn't be the poster child for this. It should be like." Uh, Sunderland's coach or, or someone else speaking this. Anyone but you. Anyone but you. Arson. And your big stupid coat. Uh, anyway. Malls, malls. Um, let's move on to another story. Uh, I linked to you uh, the story about John Swafford's comments about uh, Power 5 autonomy. But really, this is a, a, a bigger issue than just him. This just happened to be the one I really stumbled upon. But a report's coming out that the Power 5 conferences in the NCAA, Pac-12, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, and the ACC, so really it's the Power 4 and the ACC, uh, they are trying to break away a little bit from the NCAA and establish some sort of autonomy that would give... Uh, university presidents, athletics directors, and players a bit of a vote in terms of what the NCAA can do. And this is just another step. It's it's not a full break. It's not a clean break like I think a lot of people thought could happen and still might. But it is a bit of a separation and gives these Power Five conferences a bit more say-so than the NCAA can level on them. Levy on them, I should say. Um... Speaking of the start of the ACC media days on Sunday, Swafford said, I would guess there's nobody who will get everything they want at the end of the day, but the primary things I think are moving along very, very, very well, and I'll be surprised if it doesn't pass. Of course, on August 7th, the NCAA actually has to vote on this, and I have to imagine they'll be sort of reluctant uh, when they look at this, although I'm not sure if they can actually see it with all the black eyes they've been getting. I'm sure it's, it's very swollen in that area. Um, so what do you think, Wes? Do you think this will pass, and do you think this is good for college athletics? I think it's good. I mean, FIFA – I'm sorry, I mean the NCAA. Um, <laughs> you know, once again, just like we were just talking about, these guys wield all this power, 
And at the end of the day, what do they really do for you? Um, once again, college, college athletics is it's becoming money. It's all about the money. And I think just these presidents and the conference commissioners, suddenly they're seeing, man, we're making all this money and we're having to give a lot of it to the NCAA. It, Why it, we do this? Why it, it, we do this? It is a pretty big problem. Um, Bob Bowlesby, actually the Big 12 commissioner, in uh-huh. his press conference earlier this week, uh, also said uh, that cheating pays. That was an actual quote from him, that cheating Absolutely. currently pays. Uh, which, by the way, I, you know me, I'm not a very big Carolina homer. I, I like my Carolina, but I'm not a huge homer usually when it comes to them. Um, but I will say this. Parker's got a great team this fall, so. Shut your mouth. Uh, yes, I did see what you did there, and I don't appreciate it. Um, but to everybody say, oh, Carolina, you are like – and then everybody's response is, or every Carolina's defender says, well, everybody cheats. They just haven't gotten caught yet. And then it was, oh, no, that can't be true. Well, if, it do, if it's not true, there have been at least a lot of schools thinking about doing it. Because I feel like a conference commissioner wouldn't make that sort of comment if it wasn't either happening or being strongly considered by a lot of schools. Of course, that wasn't his only comment. Uh, he also went on to say that... Um, uh, he says, we certainly are operating in a strange environment in that we have lawsuits citing O'Bannon versus the NCAA. Uh, he thinks that the all of that in the end will cause programs to be eliminated. And he seems to show a much more doom and gloom scenario. Um, what do you think about his comments? Do you think that O'Bannon versus the NCAA and other lawsuits by student athletes are going to hurt NCAA athletics? Uh, I don't know. I, I really can't. I really don't even know what to comment on all that. All I will say, um, as, a, as as to what Bowlesby said, yes, everyone does cheat. I don't care what you are. I don't care who you are. Um, all the way down to your non-Big Five conference teams, mm-hmm. everybody cheats to an extent. And I know this – firsthand <laughs> um not, not that i ever got anything because I, I wasn't like a good football player or anything um but i i know i know it happens i can i can guarantee you it has happened at the university of north carolina um yes. at firsthand knowledge i can tell you it has happened at the university of north carolina mm-hmm. um because I, i'm sorry i'll say it i don't care nobody's suing me i'm 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 nobody Alabama cheats, Auburn cheats, Florida State cheats, Miami cheats, Florida cheats, Georgia cheats. Um, they cheat. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Just comes down to who's got the better sales pitch um, and who's going to get the better players. Now, <laughs> does every player take something and cheat? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. 100% absolutely not. But there are guys out there who are basically going to the highest bidder. It's been happening for 70 years of college football, all the way back to the 40s and the 50s. Um, it, it happens. You're you're stupid if you bury your head in the sand and don't believe it happens. Um, if you do believe it doesn't happen, well, you know, I would love to live in the lollipop candy cane world that you live in because it 100% completely happens. That said... I'm also a uh, proponent of uh, paying football and basketball players. Mm-hmm. Um, I go one further. I think you need to help the families of those players as- when it's time like to go to games, 
go to bowl games, go to away games. I think that uh, I think you should be able to help those people. Out. Well, we talked about last week the basketball player who was going to go to SMU. He can't support his his mom, so he's actually not even able to go to college. And this week we find out he's signing a one year, one point two million dollar contract to go play basketball in China. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's making and he's going to make a very nice salary for a year. I mean, I believe he's getting paid over a million dollars. Yeah. Um. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know, I I really, and you know, we said it last week. I think last week I may have disagreed on a little bit, but the farther I look at it, the more I believe you're going to see this happen more when guys see this, especially. Mm-hmm. I just think you're going to see it more and more. The NCAA is in trouble. Seth Blatter, excuse me, Mark Emmert, <laughs> um, is he? He's garbage. He's he's just garbage. Um, it's run by incompetent fools who. You know, as in the Miami case, they're corrupt. You know, they have vendettas against different schools, against different coaches, against different presidents. They have vendettas. It's coming out. And I just I, – I, they're talking about slowly breaking away. I think in 10 years the NCAA could be gone. I don't know that it'll be gone because I think there are a lot of smaller schools, especially the Division Two, Division Three level, that probably still will somewhat need the NCAA – but I, I have a feeling that the the major conferences will have completely broken away, and mm-hmm. they will they will be doing their own thing. They will they will be hosting their own college world series. They will be hosting their own college football playoff. They will be hosting their own NCAA basketball tournament, which mm-hmm. I am not opposed to. I, I the NCAA is corrupt. It's greedy, and right now, to quote a famous man, "You're getting what you deserve, sucker." So every everything. The NCAA is getting right now. They did to themselves. They they could have avoided a ton of this, and they chose not to. So I, I feel no sympathy, and I don't feel like paying players to an extent is going to destroy the game or or whatever Mr. Bowlesby is saying here. It's it's not going to do that. It's not going to break uh, swimming from North Carolina, or it's not going to take away women's tennis from Georgia. It's not going to do that. He's he's just, he's wrong. He, he's just absolutely wrong, and this feels more like fear-mongering, really, than anything else, unfortunately. All right, staying in college for our last Zeitgeist story uh, and taking it back to soccer. Uh, college soccer, Wes, is actually looking into doing a full year schedule where they would play half their matches in the fall and then half their matches in the spring. Uh, they're citing uh, reasons for doing this. Uh, one, to uh, to help out people a little bit more. Help They're doing this with the United States Soccer Federation's guidance. Um, They want to break away a little bit from having their end matches run up against college football. Obviously, anytime you can move away from football, that's a good thing. Um, They're also trying to lessen the workload of the student-athletes, which, if we truly are caring about the quote-unquote student-athletes, is a good thing. And... I think that this could be a really interesting and innovative move. Uh, what do you think? Uh, Not that I'm going to watch a lot of college soccer, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, college soccer is so kind of far off the radar. Um, 
I mean, if you think you can improve any sort of, you know, ratings, attendance, you think you can improve anything, go for it. Um, if it's, especially if it's going to help the student athlete in the long run, mm-hmm. go for it. Um, I think, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I actually think, because they mentioned having the College Cup then in early June, I think you could see somewhat what happened to the lacrosse finals. Uh, they play on that, I believe, Memorial Day weekend um, on that Monday, and those usually get really, really good ratings. I think you could see something like that for the College Cup. and You might not get a lot of coverage during the season or even into the playoffs, really, but I think people would start tuning in to something like that if you put it in that sort of time slot in early June when, quite frankly, not a whole lot of other stuff is going on in non-World Cup years. So, I, I, I'm sorry. Please continue. I mean, that's really all I got. Okay. If it works, go for it. <laughs> no. uh, I, I, don't, I don't really have a lot else to say about that. Um, I mean, it's, it's not truly, and this sounds terrible, it's not really something that's on my radar. No, I'm not saying it should be either. Yeah, I mean it's not gonna it's not gonna change anything on me or my viewing. Uh, I mean I don't really see college to me college soccer is not really a uh, you know it's not really a um, a viewing choice for me anyway. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to that, if if I don't really have a dog in the fight, I always say do what's best for the athlete. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, which it, I think the bigger, the more interesting thing about this suggestion is it comes, I believe, less than a week after uh, June Jones, coach, who's the football coach, I believe, at SMU. Um, uh, he's a, yeah, he's at SMU, yeah. Uh, he actually made a comment about potentially moving all the non-Division One F- FBS teams to play actually in the spring, which I think is ridiculous. But this, I like a lot better. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about all I can say. Yeah. 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 I, I think that was the internet's general reaction. Yeah. 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 So, uh, that is going to do it for the Zeitgeist this week, and that means it is time for our weekly edition of So Raw. You discussed it at the top of the show. You are getting pumped for SummerSlam. You are pushing Roman Reigns as hard as you possibly can right now. So, please, Wes, regale us with the goings-on this week in the WWE. Oh, where do I begin? Where do I begin? Let's begin with Battleground, our pay-per-view that's no longer actually called a pay-per-view that took place on Sunday night. It started off hot. It ended up with us all going home going, "Eh, really? That was it? That was it? But what it did, it set up storyline to come in Monday Night Raw. Uh, The Raw that kicked off SummerSlam season did not disappoint I mean, Ed, we had everything from Roman Reigns spearing people. Uh, Stephanie McMahon was arrested during the show for slapping a Bella twin. Ooh! Ooh! Which means we're going to get a Bella versus McMahon at at SummerSlam. I'm quite sure of it. I'm calling that now. Fun times. Ah, man, what else cool happened? Um, I believe we're setting up for a Roman Reigns-Randy Orton uh, SummerSlam match, which could be freaking awesome. Yes. If I do say so myself. 
Um, I believe that's the program we're going to run in with. Uh, but Kane, good old Kane, going to be in there somewhere because, hey, he's got to have something to do. The demon. Uh, Bray Wyatt going to continue feuding with Chris Jericho. That's going to be very fun to watch. Uh, hopefully a better match at SummerSlam than what we got at Battleground. Um, it looks, uh, if, if you're a fan of racial profiling, I it am. looks like a new nation of domination going to be coming back as uh, it looks like uh, most of the black wrestlers are going to be getting together in a group all, all together with each other uh, to, I guess, fight the power or whatever. This never ends well. No, no, never ends well. Uh, it, for for you older wrestling fans, this is uh, we're calling this Nation of Domination 2.0. Mm. Uh, not to be confused with the 1997 version uh, by the same name. And then Ed, in the uh, in the moment of the night, Monday night, when John Cena came out with his championships to find out who he would face at SummerSlam, Ed. Yes. Triple H came out, and then the music hit, and emerging from the back, the Beast Incarnate himself, Brock Lesnar. No! Former UFC World Heavyweight Champion. That means he can fight for real, folks. Brock Lesnar will take on, on John Cena at SummerSlam in what it will be a highly anticipated match. Uh, Of course, the last time we saw Brock Lesnar, he was uh, making national headlines uh, by defeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania to break The Undertaker's 21-match unbeaten streak, uh, the streak which now stands at 21-1, and and the one behind 21-1 is Brock Lesnar. So that is your SummerSlam main event, Lesnar versus Cena for the belts. And I personally am getting pretty excited four weeks out for SummerSlam. Do you, do you have an early uh, a bet you want to place on that SummerSlam match? Uh, I'm definitely taking Lesnar just because storyline-based. I believe that pushes your storyline. Because, Ed, I do believe WrestleMania 31 uh, to take place at the San Francisco 49ers Stadium in San Francisco will end with Roman Reigns holding the belt above his head as the new WWE world champion. And I believe he will beat Brock Lesnar at that match to make it happen. So you got to put the belt on Lesnar sometime. And I just believe it's going to happen now. I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen at SummerSlam in Los Angeles, California. Um, I believe he's going to take down Cena and win the belt. Oh, it's going to be fun. And anytime Cena can go down, that's that's a good storyline to me. And I think I, I officially turned you against John Cena this week. I was I was already mostly against him, but you really pushed me over the edge. Even though you two do share a football club, you are Hotspur fans. Yeah. Of course, I fully 100% believe that John Cena is a Tottenham fan because of Clint Dempsey. I have no no shadow of a doubt in my mind that that was the reason. I will, I will say this full disclosure to anybody listening to the pod. I am a Tottenham fan because of Clint Dempsey, but I have stayed with the team even after he has left. I have persevered, and now I care about this team because of everyone, not just Deuce. <laughs> Let it be known. Let it be known. I, I, am, I am already, I'm just, all I'm waiting for is for the, uh, 
Dude, I, I'm not kidding. I, I'm really thinking about buying a uh, a Friedel uh, road goalie kit this year. <laughs> I will see. Have, have you seen Spurs away goalie kit? That thing is sweet. You would be that guy. Yes, I would. You'd be the guy walking around in the third choice keeper kit. Well, to be fair, when I first thought about this, he was still the second choice. First of all, I don't think I've ever seen anyone wearing a keeper um, shirt anyway. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one of those out in public. You could uh, you could break the mold on that. And then not to get the world-class Hugo Lloris, not even to get the new backup Michael Vorm, but to get the third-string 79-year-old uh, third-string keeper Brad Friedel. Friedel, Friedel is basically... Friedel, who's, Friedel, whose best friends growing up, included Johnny Appleseed and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Friedel is my an undying hope that if I just could put in like two years of work, I too could be a Premier League keeper. It's, it's not too late for me. It's, it's you, still not too late. Ed, do you think if you moved to England that you would uh, pick up an English accent? Oh, oh of course I would. Are you kidding? I'd pick it up in like two weeks. I don't think I would. I think I would be mocked and derided um, on uh, on Merseyside uh, for my strong uh, southern country dialect. Which truly mine isn't even that bad if they knew my relatives over there. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I I will say this. You actually don't have that bad of an accent. You really don't. You really don't unless you actually are trying to do a southern accent. You mean such as when I say words like Italy and America? Yes, just like that. Italy. 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 German Spain. Oh, it's so good. Well, uh, it's been a fun episode of the all-new Sports of the Podcast. We're going to wind it down now. Um, coming to you next week, we're going to talk about – we're going to obviously talk more soccer. We are edging closer to all the European tournaments, uh, Champions League, Europa League. All those qualifying events are taking place now, as well as the Premier League getting set to start. And I believe now, Wes, we, we're less than a month away. We are now officially less than a month away. The 15th, 16th, 17th, right in there, that's where everything kicks off. Um Right around SummerSlam time every year. I know uh, WWE and uh, the Premier League obviously have something worked out there. Yes. I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I want to say August 28th is going to be our our uh, Champions League draw. So Liverpool can go ahead and get ready to be in the group of death this year. Oh, yeah. Most likely drawing. I'm going to head out on a limb and saying that uh, – Liverpool and Barcelona end up in the same uh, pot together. Let, let me let me see the if they have the uh, the actual pots up here before we go. Do uh, UEFA Champions League. Uh, let's see. Do they have the pots listed? Um, let's see. This is riveting. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so we do know in the no. Okay, here we go. Uh, Liverpool is going to be in pot three. You were sporting CP and Galatasaray, my arch nemesis. Um, so, okay. So you could be in a thing with Real Madrid and PSG. Yep. 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 But I just, I I believe somewhere in there, you're going to get Barcelona. Um, you're going to get Barcelona coming to Anfield and bringing, uh, bringing our, our lovely Lewis back. Oh, oh, Wes, are you actually suggesting that somehow UEFA and FIFA would script a draw whoa, so that whoa, Barcelona whoa. and Liverpool are in the same group? 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I would never compare Michel Platini to uh, to the uh, human cesspool that is Sepp Blatter. I'm sorry, Mark Emmert, whoever you want to call him. Oh. I would never say that. I do believe in a thing called irony in this world, Ed. And um, there would just be no better place for Luis Suarez to make his European debut than under the lights of Anfield wearing a Barcelona shirt. Oh, oh man. It's it's going to be so nice. I, I, I cannot wait for this year. I would gnash teeth. Every, every, every emotion, I think, would be on display that much. Would you, would you buy a Suarez Liverpool jersey just to burn it at that game? No, 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 no. I, I, I truly do not have hard feelings against Lewis. Um, you know, he's doing what he did. It's fine. You know, Liverpool has made a buttload of money off of it. Um, I, I truly have no. I harbor no hate for Suarez. Now, if he had gone to Arsenal a year ago, then we'd be talking. If he ever goes to United, we'll definitely chat again. Mm-hmm. But you know, you stay in old Espanol over there, and we're gonna be just fine, friend. Ah. Well, you bring up what could be what could be a fun game we play next week. I'm calling it uh, ABC for XYZ, uh, which is if if you've ever heard of the game, uh, I believe it's called F Marry or Kill. Um, <laughs> yeah, play that one. Um, so so we're gonna we're gonna do a few uh, soccer variations on that. Uh, the reason I call it ABC for XYZ is because obviously, depending on what we're talking about, changes. Uh, for example, if I were to throw out there. Um, Chelsea, Man City, Man United, and the options were play for, coach for, relegate. What would you pick? Uh, easily, uh, play for City, uh, coach Chelsea, and totally relegate United. Well, there you go. Ah, I, sh- I shouldn't, instead of United, I should have made it Everton. I should have made it Everton. Hmm, there we go. That, that would change some things. All right. Well, we'll we'll work on that for next week. We'll do a few of those to uh, to see if we can generate some discussion. Uh, not like we can't already talk about soccer as is. So, guys, we want to thank you all for listening to today's podcast. We want to thank Podbean.com for hosting us. We want to thank iTunes.com where you can also be listening to us. Of course, once again, if you want to follow us on our social media sites, we are at All New Sports Show. Wes, you are uh, at Wes Bradshaw twenty one. I am at Edward Green. Uh, you can find that and the rest of our social media links as well as our non-social media mailing address uh, all in the podcast description, uh, whether you're listening on iTunes or on podbean.com or the podcasting app of your choice, you can find it on there and you can get up with us that way. Wes, anything to say before we call it a night? Uh, apparently my two-year-old daughter had her first modeling job at the beach this evening. Um, so maybe moving to New York soon to become a stage dad. Woo-hoo! Hey, hey, you can, uh, you can then get season tickets to NYC FC. Um, eh, maybe I'll just get Mets tickets. That should be easy. <laughs> yes, much easier. Much, much, much more not good play though. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's not good. Well, for all of us here at the all-new sports show, the podcast, uh, we will be coming to you live on the show August 3rd to start Season 3. We'll, of course, be coming to you next week with Episode 13. Until we talk to you again, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. War pig! War pig and dominate! Bring me the Schweinsteiger!